Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. How are you guys doing today? Thank you, Leslie. The app has uh, been around for a while, but we haven't really talked about it in a long time, so we want to do the full thing for those of you guys that don't have it. But uh, yes, 2020, 2022 is here. Can you believe it? Can you kind of feel that new year in the air, right? I know you're probably thinking that's the Arctic blast in the air, but I think it's the new year in the air and new energy. Quick question, how many of you guys are into the New Year's thing? Like you're into it, it's a thing you enjoy, the fresh start, the, the New Year's resolutions, raise your hand. Okay, like literally like 12 of us. And I'm, so I'm assuming that the rest of us just don't raise our hand whenever we're told to raise our hand. And so I'm gonna go with all of us are into it today. All of us are into this today because we want to make the most of 2022, right? And uh, today we're going to be doing two things in this message, all right? We're going to be doing two things. First, we're going to continue our series in the book of Luke. We started the book of Luke back at the beginning of December, started talking about the stories of Jesus. And today we get into chapter three, which is the last important piece before the public ministry of Jesus begins. We'll be talking about the story of John the Baptist, known as the OB, right? The original Baptist is who he was. And so we're going to be talking about John in a few minutes. But the second thing we're doing is kind of what you saw in the video that we just watched a little bit about what we're calling 28 days of renewal. Everyone say 28 days. 28 days. Yes. Uh, this is something that we want to talk about. We are beginning this year with a lot of intention and a lot of focus. And I want to take a few minutes before we get to John the Baptist. I want to talk about this because it actually ties into this whole message today that's going to be about preparation. But, but I believe this is of enormous importance for us, what we're calling 28 Days of Renewal. We want this to be the thing that's it's like the elephant in the room, but everyone's talking about it. It's a big deal. We want everyone to care about it. We want a new pep in your step as you walk out of this room. We want you to care about the new year. We want you to be in a new gear. You get it? You with me? Do I have any energy today? Do you have any energy today? I, I don't know. I'm going to ho- hopefully we'll get there today. I'm really feeling it. But because the basic premise of 28 days of renewal is this. Start the year right so you can get the year right. We want to really help you think about the spiritual intention you're beginning this year with, that we would say, God, we want to renew our heart, mind, and soul. And so this is the premise of what the next 28 days is about. It's not a new series. It's not a teaching thing. It's just something that we are going to encourage you with to start the year right in order to help get your year right. And so when we say 28 days of renewal, I do feel the need to just kind of slow down just a minute and explain, redefine even this idea of what is renewal, because in today's world, the word renewal is attached to a lot of things. It's like subscription renewals, right? Ante up once again, make a commitment, your annual you know, renewal commitment to the PTA, to some board you serve on, whatever. But this is not that. This kind of renewal is something completely different. God's renewal works differently in our life. And so when we say 28 days of renewal, it is connecting to what this church, if you don't know the heart of this church, we have a heart as a church for God to bring renewal and revival, not only to this church, but to our city and even beyond into the world. We believe God will and God can do that. And so we've been praying for it. And a simple reminder, if you don't remember, 
of how we kind of define renewal and revival, which are very similar words. Renewal, renewal is something that happens to God's people, to his church. He renews his people. So imagine a church like being on fire for God, right? All out. They love God with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. They love God's, they love people in general. I mean, how many of you guys believe that today's church needs renewal? Amen? And revival describes a work of God in a culture. So a work of God reviving a culture or a city or a region or even the world. So it's beyond just God's people, beyond just the church, and, it's, and it starts to spill out into the world around the church. And so we often pray for both. Oftentimes, renewal will precede revival. He'll renew his church and then revive our land. But so we just pray both. God, would you renew your people and revive our land? That's how we say it and how we pray it. Amen? And so over the years, we've used the imagery of a tidal wave to sort of kind of give a picture of what renewal could look like. So I want you to think of like surfing in waves. We've used this imagery before, but there are times when the ocean tide goes out and there are times, of course, when the ocean tide comes in. When it goes out, it's building momentum, so the waves that come in. And when its tide comes in, those who are ready and who are watching for the next wave, they are the ones who are able to ride the wave. For those maybe not paying attention, for those looking back at the beach, for those paying attention to something else, oftentimes when the wave comes in and they're not expecting it, it'll hit them in the back. And if you've ever been hit in the back by a wave, it's pretty, it's pretty disruptive, right? It'll disorient you. And if you're putting it in spiritual terms, you can be confused. What is God even doing? I just got knocked over by something. And then there's some people who aren't even near the water, right? They've completely quit paying attention. They're off doing their own thing. And they don't even give themselves a chance to catch the wave. So in case you're wondering, I will continue to preach and teach about renewal and revival in our church because I believe this is one of the, one of the, the great things that God's people has to care about that we have to desire this. We have to be people who are looking out to the horizon, waiting for God to bring his waves of renewal and even the great waves of revival. Because some, some if you think about it in the terms of surfing, there are some surfers that <laughs> they actually are waiting for the big wave. What they do is they wait for the storms, right, that brew up the big waves and so when that wave comes, it's only the most prepared, the most equipped, the most ready that are able to catch the biggest waves, which are the best waves, right? It's only the most prepared that can do that. And how many of you guys know that there's been a storm brewing in our world for a couple years now? And every renewal and revival is preceded by a window. Oftentimes it's a time of crisis where people are disoriented and they have to rethink what they think about life and beliefs. And I wonder... With all that we've gone through these last two years, when is the next great wave of God's renewal coming? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So, this 28 days of renewal. Many of you probably know that it's proven that doing something for 28 days can actually help start a new habit or a new routine. Has anybody ever tried this before? 28 days, right? Obviously, it's not guaranteed. I've quit doing donuts for 28 days many times, yet I keep going back to donuts. I don't know. It works on some things and not on other things. I think the donut thing is maybe like more like 
2,800 days. But regardless, there's quite a bit of study out there that says that it takes at least 21 to 28 days of to establish a new routine that you really want to do, a new habit. And so we thought, hey, what if we just took that kind of simple theory, even though we know it's just kind of, it's kind of just a, a number. But what if we took that theory and applied it to start our year with, where we had 28 days, where we were intentionally preparing ourselves for a year, that we're preparing the way for the Lord to move in our life and in our church for the next, not just 28 days, but beyond that. But we're going to take 28 days and truly, truly focus. Because like I said, it's not a matter of if it's coming, it's when it's coming. Most theologians, Bible scholars, uh, his church historians, they all say the same thing. It's not if, it's when it's coming. God is going to cause a great wave to come. And those of us who are part of his church, we should all have a great desire to be ready for that moment. That we should, we should all want to be ready for the move, as we sang about today. That when it comes, we aren't caught looking back at the shore. We aren't caught off doing our own thing, but that we're ready for God to move. So, Here's the 28-day challenge. I told you I was going to take a few minutes to talk about this before we talk about John the Baptist. But I want to give this, this is the one day, the one shot that, listen, every once in a while as a pastor, you have to not just preach. You have to actually shepherd and lead a church. You know what I'm talking about? And so I could preach right now, but instead I want you to see this. I'm shepherding and I'm trying to lead a little bit right now to where, one, we get the big picture of what renewal and revival is about. And, and two, we have a practical way for us to kind of lean in together. And these things are really important. And so three challenges over the next 28 days, I'm gonna put them on screen for you. The first one is this, seek and prioritize God. That's not really all that complicated, but use and complete the 28 days of renewal guide to read, pray, fast, and focus. So I'm gonna talk about that one in a minute. Number two, <laughs> come to church. I mentioned this last week, but listen, be consistent and come to church every Sunday in January and hopefully beyond. But here's the thing. We know that the trends in today's world is that church attendance continues to decline, not because less people are all necessarily coming to church, but people are coming to church less frequently, especially in the last two years. And so I want to encourage you, like, create a routine and a habit that this is a part of your daily, I mean, excuse me, weekly rhythm, like coming together as the church. It's not to hear me, I promise you. It's to come together and be in corporate worship in a corporate gathering, knowing you are not alone, to be spiritually encouraged to, for the word of God to come into your life on a regular routine. That is part of God's design and his plan for his church is to be together. So number three, take one new step of engagement. What we mean by that is, listen, wherever you're at, no matter how engaged you are or how maybe disengaged you are, I want to encourage you to take at least one new step. Maybe that's a step of getting involved. I put the simple examples up there of getting involved here at the church and getting in a group, the things that we got going on with Alpha. Maybe that's your step of engagement. Maybe it's an engagement step to say, you know what? I need to start living my life outside of the walls of this church in my neighborhood. Maybe it's saying I need to get my money correct. I need to start giving the way the Lord has instructed me to give. Whatever that new step of engagement is, I want to encourage you to take it. But I want to go back to, seek, to, to point number one, to seek, if you will, and prioritize God. Four words over the next four weeks, read, pray, fast, and focus. First one, read. Everyone say read. read. As in read the Bible. All right, start the year reading the Bible. If you aren't in God's word, then you aren't connecting to God's heart. That's just the way it is. Like God's heart is in his word. And in this guide, we're providing you 
a, just a simple a Bible reading plan for the month. And it's through the book of Luke since we're doing the book of Luke, right? Since we're reading, th- we've read through the book of Luke as a church before. If you've ever done a Bible reading in, a plat- in the past, but we believe, hey, we're teaching through Luke. We should all read through it. So this month, you'll be able to read through the book of Luke. It's a chapter a day kind of plan. It's really simple, but also gives you instructions on how to apply God's word. Number two is pray. Everyone say pray. pray. We talk about prayer all the time. You know, I mean, how many know, well, we got to quote the great MC Hammer, right? You got to pray just to make it today. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's really bad, I know. But we believe everything begins and ends with prayer. We believe everything begins and ends with prayer. And, and we just, so we're encouraging week two. In week two, this is the week two challenge to pray, to enter into an extended time of prayer, which is what we call one hour prayer around here. And there's instructions about that in the guide. I would encourage you to go do it. We actually have prayer room signups out in the lobby. We're starting that again on paper on Sundays. You can sign up online through the week. But if you want to sign up in the prayer room, you can even start that today. Number three is fast. Everyone say fast. fast. During week three, the guide gives you instructions on what a biblical fast is to help you spiritually be encouraged and built up. Fasting is a way to build you up in your faith. Even though you're, you're uh, denying yourself certain foods, things like that, and able to strengthen you, draw spiritual strength from a time of fasting is something that Jesus and disciples practiced themselves. And number four is focus. Everyone say focus. focus. We live in a world that's completely distracted all the time by a lot of things. So this week is to say, how do we take these final seven days of the 28 days? So this is week four and you focus as much as possible. And so we're going to try and eliminate some distractions. There's a, hey, takes seven days off of social media or takes seven days off of television, whichever one applies to you in a better way. So you can have less distraction in your life in order to focus more on the Lord. There's a few other things that go along with this week that you'll see in the guide. But those are the, that's where the guide's going to lead you through. It starts every week with a devotional. So you can read it. You can start tomorrow. You can start today if you want. They're all, it's all available right now on the online. The guide's there. And then follow through with the practices. All right. So you guys ready for 28 days of renewal? Yeah. I know there's a lot to take in, but I wanted, to, I mean, it's the only chance we got to kind of just speak into it. And I'm, I'm really hopeful really hopeful that this is truly a way to shepherd our church into things that truly matter because we believe that when we do these sort of things together they really matter they really matter they so if i can give you an honest moment of pastoring here don't slough it off how many times do we start something like this and four five seven days in it kind of fades away what if you could do this for 28 days say i'm all in new year new gear (laughs) and i'm going to do this thing and so i want to encourage you to do that all right. Well, let me pray, and then we're going we're gonna to get into God's Word. Father, we pray that as we uh, sort of shift gears now to your Word, that, God, you would encourage us through it. Thank you, how you're so good. Thank you for a church that loves you. And, Lord, we just pray now that you just do whatever it is you desire to do in us in these next 15 to 20 minutes. Just show us more about who you are and who you've called us to be. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, real quick, I want you to tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor, okay, if there was one thing as we start January besides 28 Days Renewal, which we already know that's your number one thing when I'm about to ask, if there's one thing as you start January that you are hopeful 
because I know a lot of you don't make resolutions, but you are hopeful. Like, I want a fresh start in this, all right? I want a fresh start in this. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Go, go. All right, all right. <clears throat> How many of you guys know that if you want to do anything and you want to get a fresh start on anything, there's got to be a season of preparation ahead of that. You usually have to prepare for something to happen. Everyone say prepare. prepare. Today's message is how to prepare the way. I want to read from Luke chapter 3 starting in verse 1. You all ready? Yeah. Here we go. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarch of Iturea, and Trachonitis and Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas of Caiaphas and Caiaphas, the word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. That was funny. I say a collective, what? Say, that's where everybody should be like, what are we talking about here? That's a lot of detail. Why is Luke giving us all these detail, all these names? Um, well, if you've been with us, you know that Luke is all about accuracy, right? He's all about putting some historically anchoring things into what you're reading so you know exactly when something happened. So he gives us all this detail so we know the exact moment that this story that he's about to tell us was occurring. So for you history lovers and for the rest of you, which is I know most of you, this is an important thing, right? We have... Tiberius Caesar, who's the Roman emperor who replaced Caesar Augustus. We read about Caesar Augustus a couple weeks ago, and in recorded history, it says that Caesar Augustus died in the year 14 AD. And then this story says in the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar is when this story took place, which just in case you're trying to do some math, this aligns with what is taught about the age of, Je of Jesus when he begins his public ministry, which is about the age of 30. So this is roughly 29 to 30 years after the time of the birth of Christ. And it's believed, of course, not only when Jesus began his public ministry at age 30, we also sort of understand that the way we record time, the way we record years is BC, of course, is before Christ. AD is, of course, of counting up from the time of Christ. So believe it or not, historians have used this particular passage to be one of the things that anchor history to where we know exactly when something happened. We know exactly when Jesus was born. We know when his public ministry started and even when he was crucified, partially in part given to us by this text right here by Luke. So this is kind of a pretty important piece of information for history, right? Which I think is just a cool bit of context underneath the content, right? Provided some significant historical evidence, not only to Jesus, but to the times of Jesus. Hashtag the more you know, right? Let's pick up in verse two. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So this is John the Baptist. So he went into all the country preaching baptism. The baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare 
the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley should be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all the people will see God's salvation. So we're talking about a guy, first name John, last name the Baptist, right? Which he is obviously known as John the Baptizer because he did a work of preaching repentance, which just so you know, what meaning... He was saying is, I want you to full on stop the way you're living, and I want you to start living a new way. And that new way was symbolized through the baptism of the water, then washing over the person, cleansing them of their old way of life as they began a new way of life. So the repentance piece was symbolized by baptism, and John the Baptist started this ministry. And his main message was, people, you better get ready because Jesus is coming. If you know DC Talk, you know that song. In fact, you need to get ready, he says, in order to get right. He says, you need to get ready. If you want to get right, you're going to have to get ready. And so it was about preparation. This was the message he was speaking, and it's a message we still need today. So JB's role in the story of God is an important one. He's actually the last Old Testament prophet, even though he's in our New Testament writings. He's the last prophet prophesying about a coming Messiah, which is significant. And he's right, of course, before Jesus. And if you think about this, God sent people all the time throughout the word of God. He sent the prophets like Elijah and Jeremiah and Isaiah to speak to God's people about the things that he wanted to say. But there had been no prophet of God for 400 years until JB, until John the Baptist shows up and he breaks the silence of God with the words, first words were, prepare the way for the Lord. Everyone say, prepare the way. I'll put those words on the screen for us for a little while. I want you to consider this phrase for a moment. What are you doing to prepare? John the Baptist preached repenting. He says, you got to get ready. You got to get prepared in order to get right. You know, every day I go through a process of what is commonly known as getting ready. (laughs) We all do this, right? Statistics say on average it takes about 25 minutes for us to get ready. Who's under 25? Who's over 25? Okay, cool. That was about half and half. Who's at 25? I'm always the median. You know what I mean? I'm just kidding. Um, We get ready for our day, right? We prepare, you know, what we're going to wear based on the weather. I use my, my app on my phone, my weather app on my phone all the time, not because I'm a weather geek or a nerd about it or anything like that. It's because I'm preparing for the next day. Anybody with me? And when I saw earlier this week that today was going to be 13 degrees when I got up this morning, guess what? I started preparing for today. In fact, I got up earlier and made sure the car was running for a good while before I went outside. I, I, I preheated the car. Anybody preheat your car today? You know what I'm saying? And so there is something that we do when we get ready. The point is we get ready. We prepare for a lot of things. We prepare for work meetings, projects, presentations. Some of us meal prep. We have college prep classes. We prepare for retirement through our, I don't know, our Roth IRAs and our 401ks. We do all this getting ready in life all the time. 
So we have to ask ourselves, how are we doing at getting ready for God to move in our life? How are we doing at preparing the way for the Lord to move in our lives? How can Jesus be your life if you aren't preparing for him to move in your life? It could be said that the things that we prepare for and that we ready ourselves for are the things that actually serve as the most important priorities in our life. The things that we prepare for are the most important. You know, right now, Christy and I are preparing for four kids to eventually go to college. We have one there already. And I mean, so the plan is for the other three to go as well, of course. And uh, we have to financially prepare for that, don't we? We have to financially prepare for that and make a plan to prioritize a work that will happen in the future, but we have to, pray, we have to prepare now. And that makes so much sense, but Grayson, who's only eight years old, I'm preparing today, we are preparing today for a work that will happen in his future. And we do things like this, we prepare for things like this that, for the things that we believe are important in life, the things that are a priority to us. And since we prepare daily for so many things that we believe are, are a priority, I think it's fair to say that preparation isn't the problem. Some of us say, I'm not very good at preparing or whatever, but I don't think preparation's the problem. I think priority is the problem. We don't have a, pre a, a preparation problem. We have a placement problem because we place preparation on a lot of things that shouldn't be the priority. That's why the number one challenge for us in these 28 days is prioritize seeking God. Preparing is another way of saying prioritizing. I asked you to consider, what are you doing to prepare for the Lord? But I think the better question today is, what are you doing to prioritize the Lord? Everyone say priority. The message of John the Baptist and what he was preaching was, you must make room, make way, prepare a way for Jesus to move in your life. This is what he was saying. He's saying prioritize him over all else. He's all that matters. You better get ready. Jesus is coming. This is what he was saying. And this is what he's still saying to us today. Like, listen, you have to get real about it. All the things you prepare for, prioritize, they are not as important as this. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. We know how to prepare. We can build roads. We can prioritize. We do this all the time. We prepare for a lot of things in life. But a lot of us have not done this all that well. And so this is something, I think, as we enter this year, that maybe this is something that God wants to put in your heart to say, will you prepare in a new way? You know, here's the thing about it. The more, the thing that we, the things that we expect, if we, you know, when we expect things to happen, those are things we prepare for, right? When I'm expecting something to happen, I'm preparing for it. For example, if I invite you and some of, a group of us, I invite 10 of you over to my house for dinner, 
Well, I'm going to, and you guys all say yes. Well, I'm expecting you to come, correct? I'm expecting you to come. So I do a couple things with that expectation. One, I clear my calendar, make sure I'm there because I'm not going to invite you over to my house and then not show up. I make myself available. You understand what I'm saying? That's part one. So I make myself available for the things that I expect. And then number two, guess what I do? I prepare. Christy and I are going to prepare for you to come into our house. We're going to do a lot of things. We're going to tidy up the house a little bit. We're going to make sure everything looks nice and clean. And then we're going to prepare food because a lot of, with 10 people, that's, that's quite a bit of food prep. So we're going to do our shopping, do the things we need to do to have the food in the house. And, and then, of course, set everything up. And, and then the other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure everybody's got a, I'm going to make room for you. So if I don't have enough chairs at the dining table because 10 people is a lot of people, I'm going to get some more chairs down. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to make room. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to prepare. I'm going to prioritize and I'm going to make room, right? I'm going to be available. So if you're thinking about this, like, is this not the bare minimum we should be doing for Jesus, right? That I'm preparing, I'm prioritizing him and I'm making room for him in my life. Because when I, the things that I expect to happen are the things, that's what I do with them. And if I'm expecting God to move, I'm going to prepare, I'm going to prioritize, and I'm going to make room for him. If I'm not expecting him to do anything, guess what? I'm not going to do those things. So there's a lot attached here. What are you expecting God to do this year? Do you have any expectations? Are you expecting just to kind of roll off another year of checking off some bucket list items and, you know, getting a couple of new projects done on the house and prioritizing this and that. I mean, where is Jesus in your priorities? Where is the expectations of God to move? And I think this is something that we all, I know I, I have to come back to in these moments and say, God, listen, this message that John the Baptist preached is for me. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. You know, there's really... Uh, you know, the more expectant we are and the more important the thing is that we're expecting, the more room we make. You understand that? There's no better example of that than whenever a couple is expecting a new child, <laughs> right? We've had a lot of new babies in our church lately. I don't know if you noticed. We are being fruitful and multiplying. We are bringing life to the city. It's been amazing. And uh, we went over to Daryl and Ashley Lankford's house uh, the other day who had a new baby boy. His name's Miles. And we went over also to Riley and Colby Claiborne who had a little girl named Adelaide. Shout out Miles and Adelaide, you know. And uh, it was great to meet these little new fresh babies. You know what I mean? Fresh babies, shout out to Leslie. Um, and, and it was great. But Riley and Daryl, they wanted me to do, they wanted me to see something when I was over there, not just their, their new child. They wanted to show me the new room they had made for their child, right? So when we went into the nursery, they showed me how they had made this room a priority in their life, and they had got it ready for this baby to show up because the things that you're expecting, the things that are most important are the things you make the most room for, right? And so uh, Daryl actually had to get rid of a bunch of things that were at one time in his life pretty important things to him. And then, but in comparison to Miles coming into their life, they were no longer important. So he had to get rid of this kind of room that he had set up that was all of his stuff. But it's all gone now, right? Because he had to make room for what he cared about the most. 
I want to read a passage to you out of Leviticus chapter 26. Everyone's favorite book to read, Leviticus. Leviticus 26.10 says, You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out and make room for the new. I'm going to read that again. I want you to really catch this because it takes you a minute to think, like, what is he talking about? Last year's harvest. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out and make room for the new. How many know it's good when you still have leftovers from last year's harvest? How many know that's a good thing? He's like, guess what? I'm going to take the good thing and I need you to move it out so I can give you something better. That's the good news of that verse. Like God is saying, like, listen, there's going to be times when you're going to have to actually move out the thing that is the old work and the old thing and the thing that was really good in the past. And even though you're still eating off of it, I want you to push it out of the way so I can give you something new, something fresh and something better. I need you to make room for me to do a fresh move. Are you all with me? I said, are y'all with me? The ministry of John the Baptist was powerful. It was amazing. In fact, look what it says. We're going to go all the way back to Luke chapter 3 and verse 15. It says, the people were waiting expectantly. Imagine them like looking out to the horizon, right? They're waiting for for the wave. That's what's going on here. They're waiting expectantly. And they were, all these people were wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. So they were preparing and thinking It can't get better than this. JB is amazing. Maybe he's the Messiah. John answers all of them. He says, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Meaning, listen, you guys better get ready because no matter how great you think I am, meaning this is John the Baptist saying this, something better is coming. You're going to have to make room for something better. John the Baptist had the most powerful ministry in centuries. And he said to them, listen, something's coming that's not comparable to what I've been doing. It's so much better. Don't worry about me. Prepare the way of the Lord. Listen, everything that we prioritize, I'm just trying to tell you right now, none of it compares to the work that Jesus wants to do in your life prepare the way of the Lord. That's why, that's why John the Baptist said famously in John 3.30, he says, he says, he must become greater, meaning Jesus, and I must become less, which is a great prayer for all of us. Lord, would you make, make yourself greater in my life? So we prepare the way of the Lord. I want to pray for us today as we start this new year that this would be a year in which we would start it right in order to get it right. Would you stand with us? Stand with me. We're going to pray together and bow your heads. Go ahead, bow your heads. Close your eyes as you're standing. I'm just going to pray over us. And then we're going to sing one song. We're going to go a little bit over time today, but I hope that's okay with you. We want to make room for the Lord today. I love the quote from Mark Sayers. With your heads bowed, just listen. It says, if renewal comes upon unprepared hearts, it will simply wash away. In other words, the tidal wave comes in and you'll get wet, but then it'll just wash away. Listen, we're not just trying to get wet. We're trying to get swept up. We want to ride this thing. Father, we just want to prioritize you. We want to make room for you, Jesus. We want you to move in our lives. 
Father, we want to be people that we're always preparing the way for you to move, that we are prioritizing you, making room for you. God, we open our hearts to you. We give you the year ahead. In fact, today, if you want to just begin 2022 with just a moment with you and the Lord that says, God, I want to I want to start with this. I want to start with the next 28 days. I want to prioritize you. I want to prioritize you over the next 28 days. If you want to do that, it's just a simple yes to God to say, I want to prioritize you the next 28 days. Would you just lift your hand wherever you're at? No one's looking around. It's just between you and the Lord. Just lift your hands. I want to prioritize you the next 28 days, Lord. And then I want you to just do whatever you want from it. Do whatever you want from it. These next 28 days, Father, I want to prioritize you. I want to prepare the way for the Lord to move. We make room for you, God. We ask you to move. We're ready, we're waiting. We wanna look out, ready to, to jump on whatever you bring our way. As we worship during this song, this altar's open, I wanna encourage you to come and pray. Commit this year to him, commit this moment to him, commit this, this next month to him, whatever it is. Maybe you need to pray with our prayer team person. They'll be here. But let's just use these next four or five minutes to just respond to the Lord the way we should. God, we love you. We pray this in your name. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.